This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. يقول الله عز وجل في كتابه الكريم بعد أن أقول أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم اصبر على ما يقولون واذكر عبدنا داود ذا الأيدي إنه أواب رب الشرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي آمين يا رب العالمين Today's khutbah is dedicated to something about Dawood and something Allah spent quite a bit of time explaining in Surah Saad. And I think it's an important lesson for all of us to remember for a number of reasons. The first of them is in the Quran, Quran tells the Israelites a lot of things that they themselves disagreed about. Meaning, the Bible says many things about prophets. And the Qur'an actually sets the record straight. And one of the prophets that the, the people of the Hebrew scripture glorify a lot, they really look up to him, is what, who they call David, who the Qur'an calls Dawood. The, the Hebrews call him David. Call him David. Um, and even though they consider him a great leader and speak very highly of him, they've also said some pretty horrible things about him. And accused him of many immoral acts. And in doing so, a lot of times, unfortunately, in the tafsir literature of the Muslims, sometimes we actually made tafsir of some ayat based on what has been said in the Israeliyat, meaning what they have in their books. We interpreted what we have and we assume that that's what it's talking about. But a careful study of the Qur'an actually reveals that Allah Azza wa Jalla is actually correcting what they said about their Prophet. So I'd like to start briefly about telling you what they said about their Prophet that is so unacceptable, and then we'll talk about the ayat of the Qur'an. What they essentially said was that Dawud salam had many wives, 99 actually. And was he became interested, ma'adhullah, in this other woman who was already married. He saw her from his palace, he saw her in a balcony, and became interested in her, and he wanted to marry her, and that he would have a hundred wives now. But he found out that that woman's already married, and married to one of his military commanders, because he was the commander, he was the ruler, and one of his generals, that was his wife. So he purposely sent him into a battle position where he knew that he would be compromised and he would be killed so he could get killed and he could marry the widow. That's the essential story that the Israelites account. Qur'an has a completely different picture to this, this scenario. And so inshallah ta'ala, before we go there, first thing I want to highlight is sometimes Rasulullah wasallam is given examples of previous prophets as also in some way role models. As in if Rasulullah is going through a particularly difficult time um, and he needs hope, Allah might refer to him and say, in the beginning, مَا أَنزَلْنَا عَلَيْكَ الْقُرْآنَ لِتَشْقَى We didn't give you Qur'an to make you miserable. And then further down we'll say, هَلْ أَتَاكَ حَدِيثُ مُوسَى Have you experienced the news of Musa? Did that news reach you? In other words, you'll find inspiration in Musa salam. Similarly, in this passage in Surah Sa'd, Allah Azza wa gives our Prophet inspiration by making him remember the legacy of Dawood. Allah says, be patient over whatever they say, اسبر على ما يقولون وذكر عبدنا داود and make mention of our slave Dawood. Allah didn't just say Dawood, He said عبدنا داود, our slave Dawood. And in calling him Abd, it's already an indication that he's an obedient, subservient slave of Allah and a great honor. Then he mentions that Dawood was a person possessing great might, he was, he was powerful. And then he adds, إِنَّهُ awab, And he's certainly someone that keeps coming on back to Allah, keeps making tawbah. In other words, his power did not get to his head. His power did not make him an arrogant human being. 
His power, despite his power, he kept going back to Allah and repenting to Him. Now, that, Allah will now describe how is He powerful. إِنَّا سَخَّرْنَا الْجِبَالَ مَعَهُ يُسَبِّحْنَا بِالْعَشِيِّ وَالْإِشْرَاقِ وَالطَّيْرَ مَحْشُورَةٌ كُلٌّ لَهُ أَوَّابٌ Allah says that He made mountains humble along with Him. That when He would make the praise of Allah, the mountains would do that along with Him. In the daytime and in the evenings. Or in the daytime, in the بِالْعَشِيِّ uh, in the nighttime and also in the daytime. And birds would gather around. كُلٌّ لَهُ أَوَّابٌ And all of them would come back to Him. Meaning He had this deep, profound connection with nature, and actually when he would praise Allah, nature along with him would actually praise Allah Azza wa Jal too. Then he says, وَشَدَدْنَا مُلْكَهُ وَآتَيْنَاهُ الْحِكْمَةَ وَفَصْلَ الْخِطَابِ And we gave him very powerful kingdom, and we granted him a great deal of wisdom. That already is a defense that what he does is full of wisdom, and wisdom that is granted by Allah. So any such story, which d- definitely contradicts even the least sense of wisdom and justice, can't be true about Dawud alayhi salam. And then he says, وَفَصْلَ الْخِطَابِ And that he made him very uh, articulate in making his point. He was a, a, a phenomenal speaker, and a phenomenal judge and an arbiter. If people came to him with disputes, he would know how to convince both sides and set the matter straight. This is part of the meaning of فَصْلَ الْخِطَابِ but now the story itself. This is the Qur'an's version of the story I mentioned to you in the beginning that is quite, quite honestly offensive to a believer. But on the other hand, what Allah describes is actually quite remarkable and beautiful. He says, وَهَلْ أَتَاكَ نَبَأُ الْخَصْمِ إِذْ تَسَوَّرُوا الْمِحْرَابِ And has the news of the two arguing sides, move up everybody, there's no room in the back, move up. هَلْ أَتَاكَ نَبَأُ الْخَصْمِ إِذْ تَسَوَّرُوا الْمِحْرَابِ has the news of those who are arguing with each other, meaning two factions, two groups, they have an argument among each other, have their, has the story of them reached you? But then Allah says, here's where the story begins, إِذْ تَسَوَّرُوا الْمِحْرَابِ Now the word tasawwaru comes from the word surah, which is also like the surah of the Qur'an, but actually originally means from sur, of the giant wall outside of a castle, or the giant wall outside of an ancient city. They made these walls so long, and so large, so that enemies could not scale on top of them. This was the old defense of ancient cities and castles and forts. So those kinds of walls are called sur. Now if somebody's scaling those walls, because there's no normal way to scale those walls, you have to grapple, or you have to do some crazy measures to get up there. And of course, anybody that's getting up over those walls is someone who means to do the inhabitants of the castle some harm. This is some enemy force that's trying to penetrate and overcome this wall. Now Allah begins by saying, did you ever hear the news of the two sides that were arguing? As they climbed up, they scaled this massive wall and entered Al-Mihrab. Al-Mihrab are the inner quarters, the private quarters of Dawud alayhi salam. Meaning Dawud alayhi salam is the king of the time, he's the ruler of the time. Up on top of this castle, way high up in the most secure area of the castle, he's got his private quarters. And now all of a sudden, inside his private chambers, these, these strangers that apparently have a case to bring to him, have scaled the wall and come into his private air, private space. So his first impression is going to be, these people are here to assassinate me or to kill me. Because why wouldn't they come through the proper channels? And why not just you know make an appeal to see the judge and have a court date and all of that, right? These people have clearly made a military move to come and see Dawud alayhi salam. إِذْ دَخَلُوا عَلَى دَاوُدْ when they came into the company of Dawud, when they entered into his company, فَفَزِعَ مِنْهُمْ Qur'an says then, as a result of that, he became terrified of them. Now, فَزِعَ in Arabic is one of, the, one of the words for fear. 
But it's particularly a word for fear, that the kind of fear that throws you off your senses. You panic, and you become reactionary, and you just act on impulse. That's fazr. You know, there's a fear where it's kind of slowly brewing. There's a fear, you, you heard a crash, and all of a sudden your body jerk react. You know, that's, that's a reactionary move. Similarly, you heard something, and you're like, I have to do something, I have to do something. And you immediately take an action, and then later realize, maybe I acted too quickly. I shouldn't have been so prone and quick to, to make a reaction. I should have thought through this, and not have jumped the gun. Right? So, the kind of fear that makes you react without thinking, that's actually fazr. So when he says, the ayah says, فَفَزِعَ مِنْهُمْ This is important to note, it's not just that he was terrified of them, he's kind of thrown off balance. This is important to remember. قَالُوا لَا تَخَفْ they said, no, 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 we're not here to kill you, don't be afraid. In other words, now they're saying, I know we scaled over this wall, and have breached this, these quarters, and yes, we have trespassed, but no, no, we're, we're not here to kill you, don't be afraid. خَصْمَانِ بَغَى بَعْضُنَا عَلَى بَعْضٍ Look, we just have a case of two people that have uh, argued against each other. We've got, one of them has violated the other's rights. We actually have a criminal case we wanted to, for you to discuss, because you're the judge. You're not just the ruler, you're the Supreme Court judge. We wanted to discuss a criminal case. It's ironic, they, con- they commit a crime, and they want to discuss a criminal case. But the important thing here is, they said there are two parties that have had an argument with each other. The ayah, however, did not say, إِذْ تَسَوَّرَا الْمِحْرَابِ It said, إِذْ تَسَوَّرُوا The plural form was used. In other words, it's two people that have an issue, but there's a legion with them. So they all came together, but they want to discuss the case of these two, two people. Now, فَحْكُمْ بَيْنَنَا بِالْحَقِّ So make judgment between us rightfully. Be just, be just and truthful in the way you're going to do judgment. وَلَا تُشْتِتْ And don't overpower us. And don't use your position, طُولُ الْقَامَ شَطْ is also طُولُ الْقَامَ Don't use your position to dismiss us. Like we came all the way here, as if to say that if they came the proper channels, you wouldn't have considered them. Get out of my sight, I don't have time for you. So don't do that, don't dismiss us now. And now they're in a position almost to kill him. First they said, don't, you know, don't be afraid. And now they're saying, لا تشتد. Shatta also means actually, تجاوز القدر في البيع. Like if you overprice something, unfair pricing. So it's actually a means of, look, be fair in judgment and don't be unfair and don't be biased towards one side against the other, okay? Because I, I, you know, you're, and the idea is, look, you live in a castle. One of the people that is going to present the case is going to be poor. The other one's going to be rich. And because you're rich yourself, you might be siding towards the rich party. You know, a, a judge who's a business owner may feel more sympathy before a plaintiff who's also a business owner. A, you know, a judge who's a husband who went through a divorce may feel more sympathy through, towards the husband in front of him who went through a divorce. A woman may feel more sympathetic towards a woman. So whoever you side with, or you know, a Republican judge, might find out that the, one of the parties is Republican and from his party or whatever else and the donor, there might be something in his heart to say, I'm gonna go easier on this guy and harder on that one. It may be. There could be a bias in you. So, la tushtit also means don't be biased. Wahdina ila sawa sirat And guide us to the most even of all paths. In other words, be fair, be clean, and down the middle. So now the case itself. What is this case that they had to climb over a wall to discuss? Inna hadha akhi This Right here, for sure, this actually is my brother. So, the two people that have a case against each other are siblings. لَهُ تِسْعُنْ وَتِسْعُونَ نَعْجَةً He owns 99 sheep. 
Now you remember the word 99 came up again in the Israelite tradition about him having 99 wives. We're not talking about 99 wives now, we're talking about 99 sheep. My brother's got 99 sheep. وَلِنَعْجَةٌ wahida. I only have one. He's got 99, I only own one. فَقَالَ أَكْفِلْنِيهَا And he says, just give it to me, let me have my 100. My brother says to me, give me 100. وَعَزَّنِي فِي الْخِطَابِ And he's very authoritative and mean and bullying when he talks to me. He's intimidating me and forcing me to give up my one sheep and add to his 99 already. Now, this on the side is a commentary also on how big business can intimidate small businesses and take over. Right? And, and they can use the authorities. They can use government. They can use their lawyers. They can use lobbyists to run small businesses out of, you know, small practices out of business. But anyway, that's a side issue. He says, and of course the one speaking is the one who only owns one sheep. And he says, I've got one, he's got 99, and he's mean to me. He keeps telling me to give mine up to him. قَالَ And now Dawud alayhi salam speaks. And he says, لَقَدْ ظَلَمَكَ بِسُؤَالِ نَعْجَتِكَ إِلَى نِعَاجِهِ He has done wrong to you. Your brother has certainly, and he says, لَقَدْ So he certainly has done wrong to you by asking for your one sheep to add to his sheep. بِسُؤَالِ نَعْجَتِكَ إِلَى نِعَاجِهِ وَإِنَّ كَثِيرًا مِنَ الْخُلَطَاءِ لَيَبْغِي بَعْضُهُمْ عَلَى بَعْضٍ And it happens a lot, quite a bit, that people that are very close together, meaning family members that are close together, business partners that are close together, co-workers that are close together, people that you interact with a lot are called خلطاء. خلطاء literally means to mix. So the people you spend a lot of time with are خلطاء. So it's not just a reference to business partners, but family relations, friendship relations, co-workers, things like that. It happens quite a bit that people that are so close to each other end up doing wrong to one another more so. And so this happens quite a bit, Dawud says. Except those who truly believe and do good deeds. Now Allah is teaching us that belief and good deeds is not just prayer and dua, but it's actually good deeds are the people that are closest to you, that you have a lot of interaction with, that you don't do wrong by them. That you don't oppress them and things like that. So la yabghi ba'duhum ala ba'd illa ladina amanu wa aminu salihat wa qalilum mahum. And how few those people are. How few the people are that realize that their faith should inspire them not to wrong the people closest to them. Wadanna Dawudu annama fatanahu. And at that very moment, Dawud realized that Allah was only testing him, meaning they disappeared. This entire punch, poof, they just disappeared. And he realized that he was just being put to the test. And this was a very difficult trial test for him. Now some interpreted this to mean, Dawud realized, alayhi salam, this wasn't about 99 sheep, this was about 99 wives and that extra wife. And by the sheep example, he was being taught a lesson that if you think this is unfair, what do you, how do you think what you're doing is unfair? Which I'm humbly suggesting to you is absolutely incorrect way of looking at these ayat. Let's try to understand what's actually happened in this story. Dawud was by himself in his quarters. These strangers jumped in, kind of ambushed him. Then they said, don't be afraid. But it's already been said, Fazi'a minhum, he's off his game. He's a little thrown off. He's reactionary at this point. They're also intimidating him and telling him, we've got a case, you better be fair. And you better give us the right judgment. And you better not be biased. And they've already kind of made him reactionary and also defensive. Because they're almost accusing him that he might be this way. And then on top of that, they give him this case, and the, the victim speaks, 
and the victims only got one poor sheep. And now Daud also doesn't want to be seen as the one who sides with the, the wealthy one. And when the one speaks, Daud immediately says, this one has done wrong to you. But the problem with that is, when you're a judge, you have to hear both sides. You have to hear both sides before you pass any judgment. This one said, I only have one sheep, and they're trying to take it away and all of that. But, well, let's hear your side of the story. What do you have to say about this? That didn't happen, did it? He didn't ask the second side what their, what their version of it is. And he quickly passed judgment. And actually even gave a sermon about how this happens quite a bit. Like a lot of times, and of course the idea is, a lot of times those that are more wealthy or more powerful tend to take advantage of those that are not. But does that mean that that's always the case? Is it possible that someone who's not wealthy or not in a position of power may be doing wrong also? Is that possible? Certainly. Like for instance, in the case of Musa salam, from a distance he saw two people fighting. And he saw one, one was a member of Bani Israel and the other was from the Egyptian rulers. And the Israelites were slaves. They were mistreated all the time. So when he sees an Egyptian you know, soldier beating up a slave, he says, look, this is here again you see the same volume that you see a thousand other times. All the time they beat up these poor Muslims, those were the Muslims of the time, they oppressed them, they beat them, they tortured them, and here it's happening again. He went and he tried to help the situation, he punched the soldier, the, the soldier died. Long story short, it turns out that the one, the Muslim brother that he helped was a crook. He was a crook. In other words, you have this impression, oh these kuffar, they're always trying to do wrong to these poor believers. Or these wealthy people, they're always trying to take advantage of poor people. Or these leaders, they're always trying to take advantage of their followers, etc, etc, etc. You've got this impression in your head, because you've seen it a thousand times, so it must be through, too, true the thousand and first time, so you don't even bother hearing the other side. And that's exactly what happened with Musa salam, And now that's exactly what's happening with Dawud salam, in that he was quick to pass judgment. And as soon as they disappeared, he realized he, should have been, he shouldn't have been thrown off. He shouldn't have been reactionary. He should have taken his time, calmed down, listened to both sides, and not be intimidated by what he's hearing. Because when they already told him, you're probably going to be biased anyway, then he said, well, no, 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 I'm not. I'm going to be with the poor guy. But that's not the right way to go. So Dawud realized that that test was one to make him realize this role of leadership is not an easy one. He has to side with the truth whether it's popular or not, populist or not. And so here we find Dawud فَاسْتَغْفَرَ رَبَّهُ Then he made istighfar. The, part of, the last part of this ayah is of sajda. I'll skip that a little bit and I'll tell you what, what happens next. يَا دَاوُدُ إِنَّا جَعَلْنَاكَ خَلِيفَةً فِي الْأَرْضِ Dawud, we have made you a leader left behind on the earth. We have put you in charge on the earth. And he says, فَحْكُمْ بَيْنَ النَّاسِ بِالْحَقِّ Judge between people rightfully. If this ayah was about himself, then Allah Azza wa would have said, you be fair yourself. If this ayah was, the sheep are being used as a reference to his own personal life, then Allah would have said, if you, you have been made a khalifa, you should be an example of justice first before anybody else. That's not what's said. Allah says from here on, Make sure when you pass judgments between people, do so with justice. Do so rightfully. Hear both sides out. By the way, we also learn here that a judge, if he's in a position of being intimidated or scared or shocked, in any of those situations, a judge needs to recuse himself and say, this is not the time. I'm not going to be able to pass this judgment. He has to be able to say, I'm not qualified at this time. Or you know, what happens in many corrupt societies, 
there are, you know, like for example, there's all these news about what's happening in, in some parts of South America or whatever. You have judges that are, you know, there's some drug dealers or whatever, they're on trial. And then the judge's family is called if, you're, if you want to, or the judge's call if you want you know, your family to be okay, we know you, where your child goes to school or this or that. If you don't pass the judgment the right way, if you don't let this guy go, then you're not going to see your kids again and, this, and they get intimidated. Now, if you get intimidated, you're not going to be able to pass judgment. If you carry a bias, you're not going to be able to pass judgment. If you have any kind of fazah impacting judgment, judgment itself is not going to be fair. That's not just about the courtroom. Now it's actually about all situations. You have a situation in your family. There's a dispute inside of your family. And you're in a position to pass judgment. But you're afraid that if you go against this person, even though they're wrong, they're going to come after you. Or they're going to be angry with you. And you don't want to deal with that. So you either stay quiet, or you don't do anything, because now you're, you're a victim of fazah. You're not standing up for the right thing. Because you don't want to speak out against somebody who's you know, more, more uh, influential than you are, or that they have something holding over you. And as a result of that, you're holding back from justice. So this isn't just about a ruler. This is actually about the principle of justice as it applies across life. So Dawud a.s. is then told, judge between people rightfully. Don't follow empty vain desires. Don't become a person of whim. And whim here suggests that don't become impulsive. That's the idea behind al-hawa here. And if you do so, then it will take you away. It'll mislead you from Allah's correct path. What a profound ending to this story. He says, no doubt those who have, been, who have gone away and have become lost from the path of Allah, they're going to have pretty intense punishment because of what they forgot. Because of what they forgot. In other words, they forgot that they are a judge right now and they're not being fair as a judge. But a time is coming when there's going to be a judge over them and they're going to be standing before Allah يَوْمَ hisab, The day on which the accounting is being done of them. You know, they've forgotten about the court date that they have. They've forgotten about the judgment that they must face. And so Allah Azza wa ties all of that together for all people. إِنَّ الَّذِينَ يَضِلُّونَ عَنْ سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ Generally. And so in, in doing so, Allah Azza wa has preserved the remarkable dignity of a, of a great prophet and has reminded us that we have to maintain the integrity of prophets. But in doing so, He's also reminded us that we, are, we shouldn't be quick to pass judgment. We should hear both sides. And we should be calm when we pass judgment. And we should remember that our judgments are actually, our judgments themselves are going to be evaluated before Allah. We should also remember that partners, when partners wrong each other, and you know, the statement still holds true. In al-khulata, you know, layabri ba'duhum ala ba'd, you know, so many khulata, so many people that interact closely with each other end up wronging each other. That we have to be mindful of that. That are we on the wrong? Are we being wronged? Which, which one is it? And we have to, you know, may Allah Azza wa Jal make us conscious of that because that is a matter of our iman. And that is actually part of our a'mal saliha. When Allah says, إِلَّا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ وَقَلِيلٌ مَّهُمْ How few those people are who understand that their iman and their good deeds tied to that is their sense of justice to those that are closest to them. May Allah Azza wa Jal make us people that are just and people that do right by those that are closest to us. Barakallahu li wa lakum fil Qur'an al-Hakim wa nafa'ani wa iyaakum bil ayat wa dhikr al-Hakim. Alhamdulillahi wa kafa wa salatu wa salamu ala ibadihi al-ladhina astafa khususan ala afdalihim wa khatam al-nabiyyin Muhammadin al-Amin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in 
يقول الله عز وجل في كتابه الكريم بعد أن أقول أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل على محمد وعلى آل محمد كما صليت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم في العالمين إنك حميد مجيد اللهم بارك على محمد وعلى آل محمد كما باركت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم في العالمين إنك حميد مجيد عباد الله رحمكم الله اتقوا الله إن الله يأمر بالعدل والإحسان وإتاء ذي القربة وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر ولا ذكر الله أكبر والله يعلم ما تصنعون أقم الصلاة إن الصلاة كانت على المؤمنين كتابا منقوطا